Please repeat these words after me. This is my Bible. Come on, Sam, some holders. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I like that. Say it with conviction. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer, not a doubter. A doer and not just a hearer. Today I will learn from God's word. And I want you to turn to your neighbor on your left and just look them in the eye. Look them in the eye and say to them, from today onwards, my life, my life will never be the same again. And hearing by the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Who's excited about this morning? I know I am. I've got a really amazing word for you this morning. Um, this morning I want to speak to you about a topic. It's actually my absolute favorite topic ever. So if I could preach it every day of the year, I would. But of course, Pastor Tavara wouldn't be too happy about that. But I get a chance to teach it to you this morning. And, and my topic this morning is designing your life with your words. Designing your life with your words. Creating and living the life of your dreams through the power of the words that you speak over yourselves constantly and consistently. So today I want to talk to you about the power of positive confession. And, and note I say confession, not affirmation, not positive speaking, which is great. I mean, they have their place. But God has given us an even more powerful tool to really design our own lives. And that tool is confession. So what is confession, you're probably asking. Confession is, is really comes from the Greek word homologia, homologia, however you want to pronounce it. Bruce, you have, do you know how to pronounce it? In Zulu? <laughs> homologia. It, it really is, can be de- uh, decomposed into two words. The first part being homo, which means the same. The second part, logeo, or logo, meaning the word of God. So when you put them together, when you're confessing the word of God, you're saying what God says. You're speaking the word of God over your life. And what makes this methodology so powerful is that when you speak the word of God, you can expect your words to come to pass. Why? Because God says in Jeremiah 1 verse 12, I watch over my word to perform it. God is watching over his word to fulfill it in your lives. Amen. And what thrills me so much about speaking what God says about my life, about my situation, about just everything that concerns me is that, I don't actually have to come up with some clever methodology to design my life, right? I mean, I don't have to come up with 10 steps to having the dream life and the designer life. All I need to do is say what God says. All I need to do is put the word of God in my heart and to put it in my mouth. And as I do, I I am confident and I have an expectation that God will fulfill that word. God will fulfill that word. Unfortunately, many Christians in life are, are, are defeated. And why is this? It's because they have believed and spoken the wrong things. They've spoken the word of the enemy instead of speaking the word of God. Amen. I'm actually just going to go through a few scriptures that really just emphasize on how important the word of God. Matthew 12, verse 37. It says, For by your words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words, in other words, by your own words, you shall be condemned, church. By your words... You can design a life that is filled with sickness, disease, worry, anxiety, stress, fear, pain. Or, by your own words, you can choose a life of wellness, wholeness, 
peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Proverbs 12 verse 18 in the basic Bible English, or BBE, I don't know what that stands for. But in the BBE translation says, the tongue of the wise makes one well. That's powerful, right? The tongue of the wise makes one well. That means your mouth, your mouth can make you well. Amen. By your words, you can walk in lack. You can walk in poverty. You can walk in just not having any of your needs met and you can even forget about being a blessing. But by your own words, church, you can walk in prosperity. You can walk in abundance. Church, come on. You can be a blessing not only to this community, but to this country, to this continent, and yes, while we add it to the whole wide world. Amen. Mark 11 verse 23 says, and I'm not going to really go there. I'm just literally going to paraphrase what it says. It says, you can have what you say. And so my question this morning is, what are you saying, church? What are you saying over your lives? What are you saying over your job? What are you saying over your spouse, over your husband, over your wife? What are you saying over your children? Because you can have what you say. Church, when I got a hold of this revelation. You know, when this revelation actually got a hold of me, (laughs) not only did I realize that in order to win in this life, in order to have victory in this life and to achieve all those things that God has planned for me, and and guys, God has great plans for your lives. He has great plans for me. But in order to make sure that those plans come to pass, not only was I going to have to renew my mind daily to His Word, but I was going to have to watch my mouth. Sheesh, and boy, was it difficult, eh? Because everyone who knows me knows I, I think I was born an extrovert. I was born talking. And sometimes what I say doesn't make sense. And so I had to really watch my mouth. You know, we take this revelation so very, very, very seriously in our household. I mean, even our two little children don't escape. We've got two small young children. The eldest is five. The youngest is two. And I was sharing yesterday with Pastor Tefara um, when we came home from... Taking a walk, my, my, my younger daughter, my older daughter, sorry, my five-year-old really had something so amazing um, to share with me. And um, we were taking a walk. And our neighbor's dog is actually quite vicious, although it's, it's literally this small. <laughs> but um, she's scared of it. And um, I think it, it plays on that fear. So every time it sees her come past, every time it sees her come past, it barks at her. And it just doesn't bark, it growls. It, like, is ferocious. And so yesterday, as we were walking past this dog, my, my, my sweet little daughter, I mean, my five-year-old daughter, walked up to that dog. She, she, must, she just got some confidence. I don't know if it was because mommy was with her. I don't know. But she got some confidence, and she, she walked up to that dog, and she said, you know what, dog? You know what? My mommy says that if I tell you to keep quiet, you must keep quiet. So keep quiet now. I mean, that poor dog didn't even see what was coming to her. I mean, that dog looked at her and it growled. And then it ran away. (laughs) And so there I was saying, yes, my daughter's finally got it. It's working. But church, we take this revelation so very seriously. We will not tolerate speaking anything else in our home that's not the word of God. Because the word of God in our mouths is powerful, church. What are you saying this morning? And I mean, my story that I've shared may seem so funny, but it's so very simple. 
in order to design the life of our dreams, in order to see victory in our lives, we need to fight the war of words. We need to fight the war of words. We need to speak constantly over and over and over and over and over again what God has to say about our lives, what God has to say about our situation. Amen. And so this morning, I really want to just share with you three principles Three principles that I've learned in my own life, it's personal revelations that I've really taken from the Word of God concerning this area of positive confession, concerning this area of designing your life with your words. And and my prayer for you this morning is that you'll take these principles and you'll begin to apply them, church, right? Because faith without works is dead, right? So I want you to start applying these principles. I want you to start walking out of this church this morning and start speaking to situations. Start saying something. And I promise you that as you do, you will, you can expect to see victory in every circumstance that has been holding you back in this life. Every circumstance, every obstacle that is preventing, been preventing you from taking a hold and grabbing all that Jesus has already paid for. You can expect to start seeing victory over, over those obstacles and over those situations. Amen. Amen. So the first principle I want to share with you this morning is our words create our world. Okay, I had to say that quite slowly because it's a bit of a tongue twister, okay? For those taking down notes, our words, what comes out of our mouth, the words we speak, can create our world. Amen. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says that through faith, we understand that the world, in other words, the whole universe, was framed, in other words, formed or created by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, God created the entire universe. Everything that exists here today by the words that he spoke. I want to add in another scripture for good measure. Psalm 33 verse 6. The Lord merely spoke. Do you see that? Okay. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Okay, my version, King James says, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. I mean, isn't that so awesome? What I want us to do this morning is I want us to go all the way back, way back in time. And let's read for ourselves the story around creation. Let's, let's just not rely on those two, simple, two verses to, you know, to tell us what happened in creation. Let's actually go back. All the way back to Genesis 1, and we're going to start in verses 1 to 4. And really just read for ourselves how this entire world came into being. Amen. So go with me to Genesis 1, and we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read all the way to verse 4. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered or moved upon the face of the waters. And so what we see um, in these first two verses, right at the beginning of creation, was we see what the Bible says, uh, the earth was in a, in a really a chaotic state, a state of disarray and, and just confusion. I think the, the Bible says without form and void. I mean, it was, it was quite ugly. Okay? It was quite dark. And yet in this very state that the earth was in, we read that the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. In other words, the Holy Spirit. And how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? Well, 
In the Bible, the Spirit, the word Spirit starts with a capital S, okay? So we see the Holy Spirit hovering about the earth, even in its darkness, in a state of chaos, without form and without void. And he was just hovering. And, you know, when I used to read these scriptures, I used to ask myself, okay, okay now, Holy Spirit, teach me. If the earth was in darkness and chaotic and confusion and was actually in quite a mess, why didn't you just do something? I mean, you're the Holy Spirit, right? Why didn't you just do your Holy Spirit thing and cause light to come out of darkness? I mean, come on. Come on. You could do it. And I'd like to submit to you this morning that the Holy Spirit was actually waiting for something to happen. And that's something that he was waiting to happen. It's coming in verse 3. So let us read on to find out what the Holy Spirit was waiting for. Verse 3. And God said, is that, is that in your Bible? Because I think it's in mine. Church, what does, what does verse 3 start off with? Let's read it together. And God said. So what did God say? Let there be light. And then what happened? And there was light. And so we find in verse 3, God said. And so I'd like to submit to you that before the Holy Spirit could get into action and do his thing, he was waiting for God to say something. He was waiting for God to say something because he knew that God's modus operandi, in other words, God's MO, for all you young people, was speaking, was saying something. God's MO of creating the universe was speaking it into existence. Amen. And so God said something. And not only did he say something in verse 3, but he said something, and he said something. We actually know that God created the entire universe in six days. And in order to create that universe, he kept saying something. And so we want to look at a few verses and see, well, what was God saying? And what was this MO, this modest apparande that God used to speak things into existence, to create the world, his world, our world? And so let's go to verse 9. Verse 9, and God said again. Oh, okay, we don't have it up, but I'll tell you. It said, and God said, God said again, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. In other words, God was actually pushing out the land, the very land that we are sitting, standing on, or sitting on, through his words. He said, he said, let that land be pushed out of the waters. And let it appear. And once he spoke it, it became. Verse 11. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. Come on, church, preach with me. And it was so. For good measure, I'm going to throw in one more. (laughs) But I think we're all starting to see the point now, right? God said something. And whatever he said became. So verse 14. Again. And God said. Let there be light in the firmament of the heaven. To divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons. For days and for years. Next verse. (laughs) And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven. To give light upon the earth. And there we go again. And it was so. So we actually see, I think it was in eight statements all in all, God said something. And whatever he said, it became. Church, God created the world with his word. 
He calls those things that never existed, that we could not see, and they became so. Once God spoke, it came into being. And so I, I used to read Genesis. I used to read all the way to verse 15, 14. And, and I, I, you know, while I found it very interesting that God created the world through speaking, I just didn't see how it applied to me. I just didn't see how this could even be a reality to me until I stumbled upon Genesis 1 verse 26. And I want us to share, I want, to, I want us to actually have a look at this because, because it's so powerful. And in and, and the same way that God created the world with his words, church, we can create our, words with our, our world with our own words, okay? And so I want to show you what Genesis 1 verse 26 says because it's, it's really going to change your life this morning. Okay, and again, God said, there we go, God says something, and whatever God says, church, remember, it, beca- it becomes, okay? Remember this as we read the next, uh, the next um, sentences, or the next words. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon it. And so here we start to see something that, that is just so, it's actually life-changing, because it truly changed my life when I, when I really realized what God was saying, and what God was actually speaking in this verse. God says two things here, as he begins to create man. The first thing he says is, let us make man in our image. He says, let us make man in our image. In other words, let's make me, me, you and me. We are made in God's image. Now, image speaks to the nature of God. And what is God's nature? You are probably asking at this point. Well, John 4 verse 24 says that God is a spirit. And that means that not only is God a spirit, but we are also spirits. Therefore, church, our nature is spirits. The real me, the real you... Is it to be a spirit being? That's our nature. We are spirits. We possess a soul. And we live in a body. And so God said, let us make man in our image. In other words, let us make man to be a spirit. Then God says something else that's quite profound. Let's go back to Genesis 1 verse 26. Not only does he say, let us make man in our image. But he says, let us make man after our likeness. After our likeness. Now likeness speaks of functionality. So God is saying, let us make man to function like we do. Church, how does God function? We just read what he, we just read from Genesis 1. We went all the way to the beginning, right? We read that God speaks. God speaks to things and they become. And so if we're to put those two thoughts together, not only are we made in the image of God, not only are we made to also be spirit, but we are made after his likeness. We are also made to function like God says. So since God is a spirit and he speaks, we are also spirits and we also speak. Therefore, church, we are speaking spirits. And just like God, we create our world with our words. We can call it and it becomes. Just like God, we can say, let there be dot, dot, dot. And it will become. So my question this morning, church, is what are you calling it? What are you calling it? 
Because whatever, whatever you call it, it will become. What are you calling your business? What are you calling your finances? What are you calling your marriage? What are you calling your life? Church, whatever you call it, whatever you call it, it will become. And I used to, I really used to struggle with this um, in my own life personally. Um, particularly when it came to my, my job. And um, I know if it, some of you might have heard this. My husband heard it every day of his life, 24 hours a day, 365. I, mean, I complained about my job. I, I just did not like my job. And I made it my mission to tell every Tom, Dick, Harry, and Harry's cats for good measure how much my job was boring and unexciting. I mean, I called it, I called that job a, 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 full of useless opportunities. In fact, I, I used to say there were no opportunities in that job. I, I used to actually say about myself that I was not capable of doing this job. I was a woman, therefore I was not able. I mean, my job, I used to call it, it sucks. And for two long years, it sucked. It was boring. It was not exciting. There were no opportunities. I was never promoted. Until I got a hold of these principles. Or until these principles got a hold of me. Whichever way around it is. And then I started to watch what I said about my job. I started to call my job exciting. I started to call my job full of opportunities. I started to speak to myself. I started to say, you are favored. I started to say, you, Chipo, you are capable. You are able. Yes, you may be a woman, but you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And sure, as the word of God is true, my job started to become exciting. I mean, I was promoted. And I've shared this um, testimony with a lot of people. I mean, I was promoted while I was going on maternity leave. I was promoted... By a boss who knew that for six months, I wasn't going to be in this job. But she still promoted me anyway. (laughs) Guys, this is the principle. It will work for all of us. God is not a respecter of persons. What he has done in my life through the words that I speak, he can do it for you. You create your world with your words. So what are you saying over yourselves? What are you calling it? Amen. And now, you know, God is just so awesome. God then creates Adam. And after he'd created Adam and he'd spoken these words over, you know, creation and, and he said, you know, I'm going to make man after my image and after my likeness. In other words, I'm going to make man a speaking spirit. He makes Adam. Then he starts giving Adam a practice session, right? And so I want to go with, I want you to go with me. To Genesis 2 verse 19. And, and I want us to read a little bit about this practice session. Okay, some of you are looking at me like, okay, what's this practice session about? There's a practice session, right? So Adam now had to practice what God had done before. Okay. And so Genesis 2 verse 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field. And every fowl of the air. And he brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. You know, sometimes King James just like disappoints me, right? I think sometimes we don't actually uh, really grasp 
the, the gravity of what's really being said here, right? So I'm going to try my best, and I'm going to try and illustrate to you exactly what was happening in these scriptures, right? So here was Adam and God walking in the garden, and God was creating the animals and the, and the birds in the air, right? And I'd like to see, so I've got quite a vivid imagination here, so I'm, you guys just have to play along with me, please, okay? So I'd like to think um, God had created this big animal, big mammal, beast of an animal, it has a long tusk, well, a long trunk and, and two tusks. You probably know what animal that is. And here was God and he brought it to Adam and he said to Adam, name it. And Adam looked at this creature and he said, hmm, I'm going to call it an elephant. And whatever he called it, it became. So as he called it an elephant, it became an elephant. And then God created another creature, you know, a long, greenish, brownish creature with a long snout and many teeth. Lives in water. Okay, you guys probably know what it is by now, right? And God brought this creature. I'm not going to name it because Adam was asked to name it. Brings this creature to Adam and he says, Adam, you name it. And Adam looks, hmm, you are a crocodile. And bingo, the animal became a crocodile. And so God went on and on and on and on and on, bringing and presenting these animals, all the animals to Adam. And whatever Adam called it, it became. God created the, anim- the birds in the sky, brought them to Adam. And whatever Adam called it, it became. Amen. It became. And so here was Adam with this practice session. And notice, as we've even read that scripture, Nowhere in that scripture does it say God came to Adam and said, ah, 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 I want to interrupt. I actually want a button here, Adam. That's not an elephant. That's actually a goat. <laughs> or even as God presented the crocodile to Adam, nowhere in these scriptures do we hear or see that God interrupted or God decided to bully his way into this, you know, practice session and tell Adam what to call it. No. The scripture says whatever Adam called it, It became. God has deposited such a powerful tool in our mouth, church. Whatever you call it, it will become. Whatever you call it, it will become. And so let's practice as well this morning, right? We might as well practice. Someone say, I am blessed. Someone says, I'm walking in healing and divine health. Someone say opportunities. They pursue and they overtake me. Someone says, I am full of joy. Amen and amen, amen. And it's really as simple as that. It's really as simple as that. You call it and whatever you call it, it will become. Let's just quickly look at some foundational scriptures quickly before we move on to the next principle. Maybe for time. Okay. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. This is actually quite interesting because it doesn't say that death and life are in the power of the government. Hmm. It doesn't even say that death and life is in the power of my husband <laughs> or my wife. Hey? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that death and life is in the power of your boss. It says that death and life are in the power of your tongue, are in the power of your mouth, both death and life. And in church, there are no two extremities that are further than death and life. 
I mean, you're probably you're either dead or you're alive. I, I don't. I really don't think you can you can be anywhere in between, right? And so, what the scripture so powerfully is saying is that both these two extremes. I mean, they're two extreme states of being on the same stick. Both of them can be controlled by your tongue. In other words, you can speak life into your life, or you can speak death into your life. You can pull those things that are in the death of death situation and you can bring them over into life by the words that you can speak or you speak. Or you can pull those situations of life, abundance, health and through speaking death and death and death and death you can gravitate or your whole life can gravitate then towards death. And so this is really powerful church. Death and life, both death and life, are in the power of your tongue. And, and really, when I mean death, I'm not speaking about, you know, not, uh, not breathing anymore, okay? I mean, that is death. But, but what the scripture is talking about here is that death is really everything that, that came about because of sin, right? So we're talking about worry. We're talking about lack. We're talking about poverty, sickness, disease, fear, anxiety, all that icky, horrible stuff. That stuff can come into your life, can overwhelm your lives by the words that you speak. If you speak words of death, guess what? Death is going to find you. What you call it, it becomes. And by life, we're talking about everything that Jesus came to give you. Everything that Jesus came to, 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 to provide. Everything that Jesus died on the cross for. We're talking about the Zoe life. The life, the abundant life of God. We're talking about peace. We're talking about prosperity. We're talking about health. Nothing missing, nothing broken in your life. If you want to experience and to live that abundant life, you better watch your words. Amen. Because you can speak life into your life. Amen. Amen. And so in the second principle I want to share, geez, how time flies when you're having so much fun. Your miracle is in your mouth. For those t- taking down notes, your miracle is in your mouth. Go with me quickly to Ezekiel. We're going to start in verse 37 and read chapters 1 to 4. Okay, so Ezekiel was, was a prophet. Oh, for those who don't know Ezekiel, it's in the Old Testament. <laughs> just, just checking. Okay, so Ezekiel was, was a prophet. And, and this, is, this is Ezekiel speaking. He's saying, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. And set me down in full of bones. Verse 2. And caused me to pass by roundabout. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And so here we see Ezekiel. And he's been led to a valley, which is, you know, a really long, deep ditch. And within that valley, not only does he say that that valley was full of bones. But he says that valley, that valley was full of very, he actually says very dry bones. <laughs> In other words, they, these, they were just bodies, bodies, bones just lying around that had, had probably been exposed to the elements for quite some time. So were actually in a state of complete dryness. Okay? And I believe that that valley of dry bones was, can actually be used as a, Maybe even as an analogy in our lives today. Maybe it's speaking of a situation of, of just total hopelessness. Death. 
perhaps impossibility, a situation that you're looking at and you're saying, Geesh, it is impossible. It is quite hopeless. And so we see, as we begin our scriptures here, that Ezekiel was in this space of just sheer, absolute impossibility, hopelessness, and death. And so verse 3, God starts to say to him, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. So, so here we get a situation where God is now speaking to Ezekiel in this, in this valley of uh, death and dry bones, very dry bones. And God is saying to Ezekiel, can these bones live, Ezekiel? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel does what a lot of us do. I, I'm guilty of this. Ezekiel says to him, Lord, you know what? You only you know. You know my situation. You know if it can live or not live. I don't, I'm helpless. I can't, I'm, I, I can't do anything. You know. You know. Okay? And then we go into verse 4. Again he said unto me. So this is God now. Speaking to Ezekiel. Prophesy unto those bones. Prophesy unto these bones. And say unto them. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And so God starts to speak to Ezekiel. And he says, no man, dude, you have the power to do something about your situation. Prophesy to those bones. In other words, speak to those bones. And what I love so much about this is God doesn't just tell him to speak. He actually tells him what to say. In the New Living Translation, Ezekiel 37 verse 4, says, then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say. So he says, Ezekiel, not only are you going to speak to these bones, but you're going to say what I'm going to tell you to say. And so God says, and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. And so God is telling Ezekiel, you can do something about your situation. You can tell those bones that they must listen to the word of God. And because I'm telling you that they must listen to the word of God, they must line up with the word of God and they must live. Church, the miracle is in your mouth. What are you saying this morning? What are you telling that situation of hopelessness? What are you telling that situation of impossibility? We need to start saying something, church. We need to start telling our body. That body that has been sick for years. That body that's just been held in bondage because of sickness and disease. We need to start telling that body, body, you need to line up with the word of God. You need to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Church, we need to start speaking to our bank accounts. I'm so tired of my bank account speaking to me. I'm so tired of my bank account telling me that I'm broke. We need to turn around and tell that bank account, you need to listen to me right now. You need to line up with the word of God. My needs are met. All of my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Not according to you, bank account. We need to start speaking life into these situations of hopelessness. We need to start speaking to our children. Maybe this morning there's some people whose children are are not really going in the direction that they should be. We need to start speaking over our children. We need to start saying our children are favored. Our children are prosperous. Our children are blessed. Our children will be a success in this world. Our children will be a blessing to many. They will not be a burden. They will be a blessing. 
Church, the miracle is in our mouth. The miracle is in our mouth. And as God said to Ezekiel, you prophesy to these bones. This morning, God is saying to you, you speak to that situation. You speak to that situation. You tell it what to do. And when you speak to that situation, that situation will have no choice. It will have no choice but to line up with the word of God. Amen. 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 And so the third principle in closing. If you want to enjoy life. I don't know about you. Who wants to enjoy life? I want to enjoy life. I I want to enjoy life. Well, Well, if you want to enjoy life. You need to watch your mouth. For those taking down notes, if you want to enjoy life, you need to watch your mouth. Go with me quickly to Luke 1. And we're going to read from verses 13 to 18. But before we go to these scriptures, I just want to set the scene of what's happening here, right? So Luke starts to introduce Zacharias. Now, Zacharias and Elizabeth, um, they've been praying for a child for quite some time. And, and they, they still hadn't seen this child manifest. And I think what was making their circumstances even more challenging is that now they were well past childbearing age. In fact, Elizabeth is said to have been barren. So here they are. There's a situation of complete hopelessness. They are, there's a situation that just seems so impossible in the natural. And with this background or this context in mind, an angel of the Lord comes to visit Zacharias. And so we see in Luke 1, verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and that son shall be called John. Guys, the angel came and told Zacharias that not only would he have a son, but this son was going to be the John the Baptist. I mean, this is powerful. And the angel goes on to say, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. I don't know about you, but I want many to rejoice at my children's birth. And this is the good news, the glad tidings that this angel had come to tell Zacharias. That not only was your son going to be John the Baptist, He was going to be great. And so many people were going to celebrate at his arrival. Verse 15 says, And for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Okay, so guys, this is really just awesome, right? So here's the angel. Telling Zacharias, who's now well past childbearing age, and people probably looked at him and said, you have no business having a child, right? That's how old he probably is. And his wife is barren. Total hopelessness, impossible situation. The angel comes and says, you know what? You're going to bear a son. His name is going to be John. Not only are people going to celebrate and rejoice at his birth, but he's also going to be great, a great man of God. Oh, and for good measure, he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, even in his mother's womb. I mean, I don't know about you. But there's not many people that I know who are filled with the Holy Ghost in their mother's womb. So this John the Baptist was going to be what they say, tight. (laughs) He was going to be the man. I mean, he was really a powerful man, right? And so the angel continues. And he says, and many of the children of Israel shall turn, shall he, in other words, John, turn to the Lord their God. 
and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? In other words, Zacharias, after all that the angel had told him, after the good news, the glad tidings, being told that his son was going to be great, he was going to be a mighty man of God, used mightily by God, he was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb, after all of this good news, Zacharias says, how can I be sure? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. In other words, Zacharias was looking at his situation. I mean, he was looking at his body. Then he was looking at his wife. She's old. I'm old. How can it be? How can I be sure? How can it be possible? This is impossible. It's impossible. And Zacharias answers like many of us might have answered. I mean, we're looking at our situation. We're looking at years and years and years of being sick. We're looking at years and years and years of just being poor. And the word of God says that we are rich. The word of God says that Jesus died for my sicknesses as well as my sins. How can it be so? Verse 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And I am sent to speak unto thee. In other words, the angel was saying, I'm Gabriel. And I'm actually not speaking on my own authority here. I've been sent by God, and I'm speaking the word of God to you over your circumstance. And to show thee these glad tithings, and behold, verse 20 says, and behold, thou shalt be dumb. Thou shalt not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not thy words or my words, which shall be fulfilled in their seasons. Church, let's just think about this moment because it really is quite profound. And so because Zacharias started to look at his own circumstance and had possibly been in this situation for quite some time, right? I mean, he'd been praying for his son. He was old. His wife was old. The first thing that he came out of his mouth was, was just words of unbelief and doubt. And because God knew that we have the power to create our world with our words and that whatever Zacharias was going to continue to say again and again and again and what he was going to unbelief, God had the angel shut his mouth. In other words, God had the angel put him on mute. Put him on mute. For nine whole months, Zacharias was on mute. (laughs) He couldn't speak. That's because God knew that we have the power. Zacharias had the power to abort the plans of bringing about John the Baptist in in the world. And we know John the Baptist did such amazing things. And so God looked at Zacharias and said, you know what, angel, just put him on mute. Keep him quiet. Shut him up. Stop him from talking. Keep him quiet. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but if God was this serious 
about causing Zacharias to be quiet, to be dumb for nine whole months until John the Baptist, John the Baptist could actually come out of his mom's womb. I think we need to start being serious about the words that we speak. I think we need to start looking at these situations in our lives. And although we want to speak words of unbelief, doubt, and fear over our lives, over these situations, I believe we need to just keep quiet. We need to just be put on mute and only speak the word of God over our situation. And so church, as we close this service this morning, I just want to encourage you this morning to really just start taking stock of your life. What are you saying over your life? Your words can create your world. I don't know about you, but I want to live in a world that's full of life, full of abundance, full of prosperity. So we better watch our mouth. The miracle is in our mouth, church. Those situations that have been holding you back, those situations of hopelessness, impossibility, limitations can be turned around just like that by the words that you speak. So speak possibility. Speak life. Speak life over your children. What you call it, it becomes. So start calling it full of joy. Start speaking life to those children. Start speaking life to your body because whatever you call it, it begins. And church, I want to encourage you this morning to watch your mouth. You want to enjoy your life. If you want to live that life that Jesus died for, we need to start watching our words and start watching our mouth. Amen. Amen. Amen.